All right. So today I just wanted to reintroduce the Rugby Muscle podcast for this year. As I've said on previous podcasts, we are going to double down on the Rugby Muscle podcast for the year of 2023. And I wanted to sort of reintroduce what this podcast is about, why we're doing it as a podcast, why I've made this decision. Maybe we'll touch a little bit on the tackle height controversy that is threatening the very existence of rugby. And if we have time, we'll preview the upcoming Six Nations and maybe we'll answer a few questions if we have any, if we have time that have been asked on the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook group because I've decided to stream it live there. So, Let's get into it. If you're new here, welcome. My name's TJ. I am a strength and conditioning coach and certified. It's important to say certified because anyone's a nutritionist these days. I'm a certified nutritionist specialized in athletic performance, particularly with amateur rugby players. Of course, I'm the creator of the Rugby Muscle podcast and the Rugby Muscle Company itself, which has been going now for well over five years. Even the podcast itself has been going for over five years. And to kick off this very podcast, I wanted to get into why I'm doubling down on this podcast in 2023. So why podcast? I've got a few different reasons, very meaningful in their own different ways. So first and foremost, as I said, quality of content compared to Instagram and TikTok, which are you know, the two other huge ways that I see people and even probably like Medium, other sort of outlets. I think podcasts are just much more suited to the content that I want to deliver. I get to get into the nuances of different situations because there are so many nuances when it comes to rugby-specific strength and condition and nutrition. There are so many nuances that it just describing everything or trying to get it all down into a few Instagram posts, it is just really difficult and, and almost an impossible task to do, particularly if you really want to do it to give lots of different people specific information again really difficult if not impossible to do and to you know really discuss like both sides of the equations both like the full spectrum of how different movements how different energy systems how different all the different applications we're looking for for rubbish strength and conditioning and for nutrition just require a lot more in-depth information and of course you can help influence that content by asking questions in the comments below below this facebook group video below the youtube video or if you're listening on the podcast just there'll be a link to the facebook group where you can comment and ask any questions and again if you leave a comment they will be or a question they'll be answered in either a future video a future podcast or in the monthly q a's that we run so again you get to decide what sort of information you get to consume as part of this rugby muscle podcast speaking of consuming that's probably the other another reason you know when people are scrolling through Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, they're just scrolling to look to pass the time. Even if I give like the best information that I can as far as rugby strength and conditioning goes, like people aren't really looking for it. Like then they're looking to pass the time. Even if I present you the best program, the best information ever, if you're not looking for it, it's useless to you. Podcasts, on the other hand, and to an extent, YouTube are deliberate you're listening you're taking in for information you're taking information knowing that it's going to apply to you you're choosing to listen to this information you're choosing to listen to this podcast you're choosing to watch this video and therefore you're going to consume that information much better i could spend the same amount of time on the same information that goes on instagram that maybe even gets more views but it's going to be consumed way less applied way less because obviously consumption isn't just 
particularly when it comes to this stuff, it's not just about consumption, it's about application. So actually side note on that stuff, from time to time, we might upload a video because the, you know, well, we might upload a podcast just as a video or just videos because the visual stimulus can sometimes help explain better. There might be things where I need to put in, in uh, actual infographics or, or graphics up, or I might show, need to show demonstrations of movements, that sort of stuff. You can still listen to it and get your head around it, but sometimes it's better to look at the YouTube or to look at the video. So I would suggest that everyone listens to this, especially if you're listening to this on any sort of podcast platform, I'd still suggest subscribing to the Rugby Muscle YouTube channel, but just understand that that's how another way that we're going to distribute this podcast so that you guys can consume it. And obviously the fact that you can consume particular pieces of information, depending on how they apply to you, you can like really scroll and navigate and find podcasts find videos that really apply to you in your situation and really you know listen to them over and over and over again you can't do that on other areas of social media you can't do that on instagram and yes you can favorite them but who the hell goes back to their favorites on instagram i don't know anyone that does that if you do that that's i mean maybe i'm out of touch but you know it's the way i see it and selfishly like another reason i'm doing the podcast is because I'm reducing my own social media consumption. And if I was just to use the platform just to post and never consume it, for some reason, like, I feel like a bit of a knob doing that. Like, the reason that that platform works is because people are on it consuming it. And if I'm not contributing to the consumption, I don't want to be contributing to the noise either. And if I'm believing in the platforms less and less, if I don't want to go there... I don't want to promote my stuff there for people to have to go there to consume my content. That's the way I sort of see it. So again, you might see some stuff from me that every now and again, but in general, I think you as a listener, like if you've made a deliberate effort to listen to the podcast, to watch this video, you're the type of person that can use this info and can apply this info, right? Not just consume, consume, consume. Oh, this is a great movement. Oh, this is a great technique. Oh, this is a good bit of advice. And, and, and then just scroll on to the next thing. Maybe with this stuff, you might get a smaller reach, maybe, but not not necessarily for sure. But certainly, I'm going to have a bigger impact by doing it this way. So, you know, look at every Insta, Insta fit chick that has millions and millions of followers. How many of those people that are following really get anything out of that crap? Like anything, like minimal, you know, really minimal. And, and when we're talking about anything productive, it's even smaller, right? And any meaningful change, even smaller. I'm looking for that meaningful change. That's why we are doing the podcasts. That's why we're not doing Instagram. That's why we're not doing TikTok. That's why we're not doing Twitter. Twitter, especially for the negative, just it just seems so toxic on there. Instagram and TikTok for the I don't want I don't want to be doing these pointy video things. Uh, fucking never gonna do any of those. So podcast it is for 2023. The first quarter, the plan is to sort of disseminate all of the information and sort of lead you down a path whereby you can get the most out of your rugby strength and conditioning, get the most out of your nutrition, get the most out of yourself and play your best and be on the path and be confident that you're heading in the right direction to playing your best rugby. Minimum one podcast a week, higher level information, nuances, different processes that will go through rugby strength and conditioning and nutrition, different stuff like covering some tools, but like, you know, real useful information that you can use. So I'd appreciate if you share the podcast with any of your teammates, help them get better, help them get in better shape, help them feel better about themselves, spread the word, spread the loves. And of course, 
if you could be so kind, take two minutes, give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you type up a review, it really will make a huge difference and it means the world to me if you could do that. All right, let's move on to the tackle height controversy. So last week, the Rugby Football Union agreed a controversial, (laughs) to say the least, change in tackle height law. They said that you cannot tackle in leagues three yeah so Nash from national one down you cannot tackle above waist height otherwise it will be a penalty the ball carrier is also encouraged to run upright and use evasive maneuvers i believe was the the terminology that was used there i had dozens and dozens tons of people man reach out to me ironically enough i was i was using instagram at the time it's, it's one of the only ways that people get in contact with me and Man, it was an uproar. Like, so many people wrote to me and said, this is going to be my last season. So many said, this is a complete bullshit. A lot of people from that are playing in different countries said, this is also bullshit. I'm glad that I'm not in it. And yeah, it's just, it's just a fucking mess. The big problem I have with this whole thing has been the lack of communication, right? If I'm coaching someone, they're paying me for a service. I will consult them if I'm trying to make any big change with their program, right? Any change, and it, like let alone a change that completely like makes their whole program look completely different. Likewise, the RFU are providing a service to amateur rugby players. Amateur rugby players are paying their membership to their clubs. Their clubs affiliate with the RFU, they, you know, and they're paying for this service, which is to facilitate them to play rugby. They've not consulted the players on on whether this is a good idea. This is ridiculous, right? To just completely throw this i like this new law out there without any sort of talk, any discussion, any meaningful consultation about this with with the players is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And the reality is that people just want more respect. They want to be consulted. They want to be explained to. They haven't got any of that. They haven't even explained. Like they said, oh, because of the science, but they haven't like really taken the time to to explain how rugby is going to look, explain all the big differences, you know, explain what they want to achieve, explain how this is a complete benefit rather than just saying, you know, it reduces concussions and then move on. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, weirdly, I could see a situation where like, this rule might make sense. Like maybe there is a situation possibly. And I know this is ridiculous because I didn't think about this until you know a good few days after, but like there is a situation where th- this, like this could be the future of rubbing. It could work out right, but it's not been explained in any way, shape or form by the RFU to convince me of that. Like, you know, I could see it because like the waist isn't the hips, right? The hips are, the hips are much lower than the waist. The waist, you've got a little bit, you've got quite a lot more wiggle room. And basically, if someone's carrying a ball, if you're tackling below that, more often than not, that's where you kind of need to tackle anyway. That is going to be waist and below. But, you know, there are rumors also that it worked in France. But then again, like, I did see that they did it in the, champ- in the Championship Cup, and it was terrible. I think they had to stop doing it because it resulted in potentially more concussions. And, you know... Personally, as someone that actually had to retire from rugby because of concussions, I got a bunch from knees to the face, from trying to tackle low. I got a bunch from like rucks. So to me, like 
and just putting my head in different situations. It wasn't from tackling high and hitting head on head. Maybe I got a couple from that, but I, I can't recall any of that. Those being a significant problem for me as someone that got like something teen concussions that led to me having to retire from rugby. I don't remember. I don't remember having a head on head clash be whilst I was making a tackle or someone else was making a tackle be a reason that I got sent. I got had to go off with a concussion. Ironic that is because I don't remember it. Maybe because I was concussed, but you know, to me, it just doesn't make sense. You know, on top of that, like I said about putting your head in the rucks, what about mauls? How the mauls work if you can't go below the waist? How do you stop someone if they're doing a pick and go and they're keeping like a low body high and they're just trying to run? How does the ball carrier stay upright if, like, if you're trying to change direction, you're going to get like the lower you get, the better you're able to evade people, not just go into contact but like run around people you're getting low like you see a lot of people end up tackling around the neck because the guy who like because they get sidestepped and the person that puts on a big step like they've got a real low body height because that's how you've got to be when you're trying to change direction and then someone's just grabbed the neck it doesn't make sense you know and another thing on top of this tier three and below these are the guys that are volunteers i'd understand if it was policing like the higher level where they like if you're someone that's got concussed you might have to brush a concussion sort of sweep it under the rug because you need to pay your mortgage or if you're as a team you you want to encourage that person to brush like you're more incentivized you're financially incentivized to to not pay as close attention to concussions because yeah you need to pay your mortgage or your team needs to survive in the the league it's in otherwise it's going to like could potentially stop existing because of the financial implications of relegation or, or not winning a game. Like it's also where the forces are much higher and potential consequences are worse because these players are bigger, more physical players and also where they're playing more games, right? They're playing for the whole year and they also train more because they train throughout the week and they're exposed more to this stuff. It doesn't make sense that like you're, that they're only applying this to the amateur players. Like, they, these guys are the volunteers. These guys are the ones that want to do this. So they're saying, yep, yeah, I want to play rugby. This is what I want to do. Like, So they're not compromising the same way as you would do if you, if you had to do it to earn a living. Unless, and this is where I, I can get into sort of conspiracy theory talk, which is always dodgy on a podcast, particularly if I'm going to post this on YouTube. But there is a conspiracy here that the RFU like, are doing this my conspiracy theory, whilst I research whether this is actually something that has been walked back, is that um, essentially they did this kind of on purpose because I know there's lawsuits going on for concussions and, you know, they can announce this law, right, and and sort of then know that people are going to outrage against it and say this is there's no way we're going to do this law walk it back and say, look, we tried to change the laws to make it safer and you guys didn't want to do it. There's no way you can sue us for for not trying to help you stay away from concussions. That's that's something definitely that I can see. Whether that is actually how it's going to work out, not really sure. So, the RFU has apologized for the handling of its decision to implement new laws on tackle height in the English community game. The RFU has released the same as saying, sorry for the anger and concern it had created. That's it. In a statement, we fully acknowledge we got the engagement wrong and we are truly sorry. It is 
in making our decision, we are aware that France have lowered the tackle like New Zealand will be doing so, and World Rugby supports this approach. We, like the French, use the term waste and below. This has caused a misunderstanding and confusion. We would now like the game to help us define how we describe a lower tackle height to reflect what the research is telling us. So that yeah, they're already sort of walking it back. So it's nowhere near like they're, they're trying to say, oh, we mean waist is below, but kind of where is the waist? Who knows? Like, is are you, you know, are you someone that's trying to show how small your waist is by measuring like the perfect point, or are you going to go a little bit higher on the ribs? Are you going to go just below the nipples? What if you've got really saggy nipples? Like. They're, they're basically trying to make it look like they're really trying to help reduce tackle height. I don't think, like, if, if this was one and your only reason that you were going to retire from rugby because this law is ridiculous, I think you're going to be all right. I don't necessarily agree that, I mean, obviously I agree that the way they've done it has been a fucking joke. I agree that we need to outlaw dangerous and out-of-control tackles. Um we want to have that not be part of the game, but we've always had, had that, like especially since you know, the, the awareness of concussions has come come up. I think that's that's how you deal with this concussion stuff. Like, it's not it's not what never letting anyone ever hit them hit someone else on the head or never ever get concussed. It's dealing with the concussions properly. It's reducing the sheer volume of concussions. Sure. But I think that's done by managing it as better as, as best as we can. And then it's also done by, you know, implementing the art of tackling, doing that better, you know, making the game just better in general and, and more professional. I think we're, we're doing all of those things. So let me know in the comments below or in the Facebook post, in the Facebook group, which I'll attach in the links below the podcast if you have any anything to add to this tackle height controversy. Finally, yes, we do have time to get in some Six Nations predictions. Next week is the start of the... Is it? Who's sponsoring the Six Nations this year? I'm interested to find out. But this is going to be big. It is It is Guinness again. Guinness Six Nations. So my predictions are going to be that I don't have a bloody... It's going to be really fun to watch. I'm, I'm really pumped to start watching it. But as far as predictions goes, well... First and foremost, I'm going to put my predictions into Super Brew. If you want to join us, there'll be prizes for whoever wins at the end of the Six Nations. I'll put the Super Brew pool in the links below. Join us. If you make the best predictions, you win. You win some prizes, which will include a year of Team Rugby Muscle, include some other goodies that I'm yet to sort of nail. But my overall predictions, I guess, like Wales, let's start with them. They lost to Georgia in the in the autumn, so they were miserable. But they've got Gatlin back. And they always seem to show up for Six Nations. They always have miserable autumns. They can't seem to play well against Southern Hemisphere teams. But even in saying that, they beat South Africa in South Africa last year, if I remember. Yeah, they did. So I mean, they lost a series, but they won a game, which is huge. They always seem to show up to Six Nations. I think they've got Ireland first. I think they could do it with Gats back. They always seem to perform well in the Six Nations, apart from last year. Italy, obviously, they last year beat Wales as well. So... Again, they're a team where it's, it's so easy to sort of keep dismissing them and say they're not growing, but I do think they are growing. It's just that when you're the underdog as much as they are, like it just takes a, f- a couple things to not go- quite go your way. And it's so hard in that level of rugby to get momentum back and to really win games. So I think that's that's going to always be their uphill battle. I do think they could get get a scrap. I think they could, eat, they could beat um, any team on their day. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. You know, this, with this being a World Cup year, I think they actually want to really start 
implemented some sort of plan because their their World Cup pool, I believe, is going to be rough. So and they've got France first up in the Six Nations. I think they have France in the World Cup as well. So yeah, good luck, Italy. But I do think they're building stuff well. It's just circumstances tough for them. Scotland now, Scotland. They in twenty twenty three, like coming into this World Cup with the best chance they've ever had at doing really well in a world cup they if you look at the players they've got if you look at the squad they've got like they're too good now to be sure they've got enough quality in their side i just don't know if they know how to win the big games i think they've like they can win lots of games on paper rugby is clearly not played on paper i don't know if they've got enough quality to really really make a, a, a run at doing well in the Six Nations. If you look at, oh, not enough quality, enough game-winning, championship-winning experience like the other countries have, or like the next three countries at least have. I think they've got quality, whether they, you know, but the only there's only one way to, to get more experience of winning stuff, that's by winning stuff. So they've got to start somewhere. They're... Like you're looking at Hoggy, you're looking at Finn Russell. Those two guys are getting on. Probably they're still their two most talented players. And th- those two in particular, like this is probably going to be the, it could be their last World Cup. So, you know, a lot, there is a bit of pressure that comes with that. And whether that helps them win, whether that makes it harder, who knows? Uh, I'm doing well for predictions so far. We haven't even got like any sort of firm, this is what's going to happen. England. Okay, let's let's see what we can say firm with England. They're going to have more clarity. I think they're going to have more direction. I think they're going to look like they know what they're doing on the pitch a lot more than they have done in previous, the last previous couple of years. I think they'll have a little bit more confidence. I think they were just sort of ran down with the Eddie Jones regime. Regime. I am a big Eddie Jones fan. I just think it's a short. His from what I've heard from sources very that have worked with Eddie Jones, he's just brutal, and I think. He, he, you know, over time it just tends to burn out those around him. Even if they they aren't aware of it, even if they love him and they love him, what he's about. Borthwick obviously is a great coach. I think he's going to keep things simple enough for them just to play well, to allow them to play well. I think you can see from the way a lot of the English players have stood up in the in the in this cup that they can have they have the ability to step up. They have the ability to perform. England have a good amount of talent. Whether they can really put it together in the white shirt against, you know, the likes of Ireland, the likes of France, it's still yet to be seen. Very much like Scotland in that, I would just say the only difference there being that I think other teams, and I say this as an Englishman, other teams step up against England quite often. And I think you know, England have to be performing on all cylinders, which they can do, which is an excuse because the other teams are still outperforming them. If they win, they have to step up and really perform to in order to win, you know, win the Six Nations, get high up in the rankings, win a Grand Slam potentially. I don't think England will win a Grand Slam. I do think that they'll be up there contesting a lot more than they have done in the last couple of years. And we've got the two favourites, rightly so. Ireland, I think Ireland out of all of it, they're the easiest to predict, like, how they play is just really efficient, brutal, simple rugby. Strong carries, good game management, fast ball, playing the right, you know, doing the right things in the right areas. I think they just play so well. I do wonder if you could ruffle their feathers because when you look at how Leinster in particular have done in a Champions Cup, when you look at how well Ireland did, you know, in, in this Autumn Nations series, 
South Africa were the only team that got close to ruffling their feathers. I mean, I think Australia only lost by a point, and you know Australia lost to Italy. So by that logic, you know, you know, you see where we're going. It's 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 still somewhat unpredictable because I do think if you can ruffle their feathers, there's a chance that you can spoil that that the way they play, get under their skin and and, and grab a win. But if you let them get on top, Ireland are gonna Ireland are gonna smash it. Um, I, I expect them to play really well. I do expect them to have at least one game where they come unstuck. And that's a good test for them because in the World Cup year, they continually seem to get unstuck in one pool game or at least in the quarterfinal, continually in World Cup. So I think that's what they've got to overcome. And I think they're in a good place. They're in a better place than they have been in any other World Cup year. I th- I think they can smash it. So yeah, big up to Ireland. I think, I think they might actually be my favourites to win, win the whole thing. And that's only because France are the least predictable of... Yeah, they're the least predictable. Maybe Scotland, they're the least predictable because it's just the way they play. It's just the French, you know? They easily have the most... Uh, easily? They definitely have the most talent across the board. I wouldn't say easily, but if you look at their players, especially their their their, their squad depth, how well they play, yeah, they, they should be favourites. But I, I just think where, as I wonder if you could ruffle the feathers of... Ireland, I know you can ruffle the feathers of France, but their quality is so much so they're like the opposite of Italy, where Italy have to have everything go right. You know, a few little things that go wrong ruin their momentum and they're never going to win. Ireland, I mean, Ireland, France could have most of the game go wrong, but have four different plays of complete magic that win them the games because they've got such talent across the board and they'll still win. So it'll be interesting. I'm pumped for it, especially having given this a little preview. Now I'm excited to watch it next week. Again, I'll put the link to the Super Brew so you can participate. I do think putting a little like wager, not not necessarily monetarily, but just saying who you predict is going to win helps you root for those teams. Join me in the Super Brew app. You can also just download the Super Brew app and use the code BRAGASH, B-R-A-G-G-A-S-H, all lowercase to find the rugby muscle prediction pool. All right, that will round up this podcast for this. I think I'm going to try and do two this week, so I'll, I'll see you guys later on in this week. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, thumbs up on the YouTube channel, big comments, spread it to your mates, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>